What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com slash enterprise data to learn more. Live from our nation's capital. This budget thing is going to do nothing. Space Force, I still think it's interesting. President Trump not playing his cards yet. Headlines, policy, and politics colliding. Sound on with Kevin Cirilli. The insiders, the influencers, the insights. I would rather see a congressional solution. It's part of my DNA. The Senate map in 2020 looks a lot different than it looked in 2018. You really have a divide within Team Trump. The president has to do exactly what people sent him here to do, which is to get it done. This is Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2 Baltimore. It is Friday afternoon. We have made it to the end of the week. Will President Trump and President Xi Jinping of China meet or not in Osaka, Japan at the G20? Are they going to meet or not? I mean, there's all of this back and forth. Kudlow yesterday at the Peterson Institute. President Trump talking to Fox News earlier today. Happy birthday, Mr. President. I'm going to bring you the latest on whether or not President Trump and President Xi are going to actually meet and what President Trump has to say about that. Meanwhile, he can't stop talking about Fed Chair Jay Powell. Speaking of tariffs, speaking of economic policy, they, he keeps talking about the Fed and what he wants the Fed to do with interest rates. Meanwhile, the latest fallout from Iran, day two now, following Iran, according to the State Department's sinking of two oil tankers in the Persian Gulf. What is the president having to say about that? We have an all-star panel to walk us through all things politics and policy, the 2020 looming presidential race. I spoke with the Democratic National Committee Chairman Tom Perez about the debate staged down in Miami just over a week. Can you believe it? Just over a week until 20 Democratic presidential hopefuls will descend to Miami to have the first of what is going to be a multiple night debate stage. I talked to Chairman Perez about that. I'll play for you that interview. Also, who is here? We've got Raul Alvilar, Democratic strategist, former national political director to the Democratic National Committee. And Lauren Claffey, she is a Republican strategist, her first time on the program. We're thrilled to have her here. She's a managing director at Hamilton Place Strategies, former deputy assistant secretary for public affairs at the Department of Homeland Security. The president making new headlines on trade. He says that it doesn't matter, quote unquote, it doesn't matter if Chinese President Xi Jinping agrees to meet with him or not later this month to continue negotiations over trade. Because the U.S. is collecting, this is what the president says, the U.S. is collecting billions of dollars in tariffs on goods from the country. So what does that mean? What does that mean, as the president says? It doesn't matter if he meets with President Xi. Well, here to walk us through that, Lauren Claffey, Republican strategist. She's a managing director at Hamilton Place Strategies, the former DAS for Public Affairs at the Department of Homeland Security, and Raul Alvilar, Democratic strategist, former national political director for the DNC. All right, Laura, let's start with you. First of all, thanks for being here. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. If, If President Trump doesn't meet with President Xi... I mean, that's I mean, what, what happens? 
well, we're right where we are right now, right? I mean, it's, it is it sends the wrong signal that we're moving away from this trade war if they do not meet. But at the same time, that doesn't mean that uh, advisors are not working behind the scenes and there won't be another opportunity for them to meet in the future. I, I maintain that this is, once again, just President Trump uh, throwing bluster around while he's in the middle of these negotiations. We all know how he likes to kind of stand up and bully about and uh, puff his chest before anything happens. And I think he's also lowering expectations in case that the Chinese decide that they are the ones not wanting to meet, uh, that he can say that he called it first. But I think that, you know, it's likely that the talks will continue because, I mean, this escalation is not going to benefit either nation. Well, it's a large point. I mean, that's what I find just so fascinating here is yesterday I was at the Peterson Institute across town here Mm -hmm. in, in the Beltway, and I asked Larry Kudlow, I said, I said, Larry, I mean, if what are the expectations for this potential one off meeting? Because it seems like if they're not even going to have the meeting, then I mean, they're not going to meet again until the fall. That's when President Trump and President Xi would come face to face again. Right. Excuse me. And it's it's a it's a problem. Um, you know, we, he, he's supposed to be the, the guy that's the art of the deal and he's trying to do a deal here. But he's 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 messing it up from the onset. Um, it's important, again, because. Uh, this is a country that we do business with, and this is a country that we do a, a multiple a billions of dollars of business with, and it, and it just sets the wrong tone. It sets the wrong expectation. Um, and, and to your point, um, the bulliness of, of how this pre- Republican president acts is not the way you're going to get anything done, and it's not going to come to any kind of compromise. You're not going to have any deal, and you're not going to have any resolution. He says he's optimistic. President Trump says he's quote-unquote optimistic, this according to an interview that he, that he gave with Fox News uh, earlier this morning. By the way, happy birthday, President Trump. It is his birthday, 73 years old. <laughs> we'll talk about how he celebrated coming up on later in the program. But here's uh, let, let's, let's hear from President himself. It is his birthday about what he said on Fox News about tariffs. Here's, here's President Trump. We're going to see, eventually they're going to make a deal because they're going to have to look. They're paying hundreds of billions of dollars. I have 25% on $250 billion, and they subsidize it, Brian. They're manipulating their currency in order to pay for it. So that's President Trump talking to Fox News earlier today. Joining us in studio, Lauren Claffey. She's a Republican strategist, managing director at Hamilton Place Strategies, uh, former, formerly with the Department of Homeland Security, and Raul Avilar, a Democratic strategist, former national political director for the Democratic National Committee. So the, the, what I found interesting, the two developments this week, and we, we get so into the weeds here on trade policy because I nerd out over it. But the two big developments are, number one, that the administration is no longer guaranteeing that President Trump and President Xi will meet face-to-face at the G20. They're saying they want to have that happen. They're optimistic that it will happen, but that it's not guaranteed. But the second point, and this is sort of a new messaging strategy, Lauren, is in the Rose Garden earlier this week. President Trump insinuated that the U.S. is taking in billions of dollars on tariffs. When I talk to Republican lawmakers, Lar, they disagree with that. Uh, and when I talk to business leaders, they say that this is providing economic uncertainty. What are you hearing? Yeah, I would agree. I don't think that uh, I have not heard the billions number before. So I think that that was maybe an exaggeration. I also think that we've seen that President Trump doesn't fully understand how tariffs work in regards to uh, how the, the the tax essentially is passed on to consumers and American businesses. So it's not that the U.S. is necessarily benefiting from these tariffs. But what I do think is interesting is this is the first time that he uh, is dealing with uh, an economic heavyweight on the world stage. And so when he's threatening tariffs and threatening these uh, these different economic 
economic actions and uh, and messing with the trade policy with China. It's not like when he does it with Mexico and they immediately fly to the fly to the U.S. and they have negotiations on immigration and you know they are out of their minds needing to fix this immediately. China can withstand a little pain for a bit and see and he they can wear President Trump down on this and that's where I think that we we risk the most in this tariff war is that is that as it continues to escalate, China may not back down. Yeah, and I was just going to say that the, the, the most important piece here is that, that Americans are actually suffering because of these tariffs. And but are they, I got to push I back mean, politely, yeah. suffering, but they're not suffering enough where we see movement in the polls. Okay, well, when you see, you know, the farmer in Iowa who's complaining or who's saying that they, do, they can't unload their soybeans and and, and they, they're, they're sitting there, you know, rotting, that's, that's a problem. And that's, that actually will start to move the polls. And actually, um, you know, polls are good for you when they're good for you and they're bad for you when they're bad for you. Um, you know, so it's like people, a horoscope. <laughs> right. Um, the Scorpio. And I will say we, uh, you know, I've spoken a lot to uh, folks in the steel industry and manufacturing industry um, that – they, you know, you would be shocked because they are, they really are feeling the heat from the tariffs and it is impacting their business. They've actually had, some of the companies have had to let employees go. But what's fascinating about um, their position on this is they will not criticize the president for right. the pain that they're feeling because they believe full, fully in their hearts that he is going to win on this issue and that they will come out ahead. They're willing to withstand, withstand the pain at the moment. Yeah, I mean, I don't think I, I don't think you can sustain the, the pain because the pain eventually becomes so intense that you can't handle it. Anymore. You know, I, I so. was fascinated by the developments with the Hong Kong protests because I actually think it illustrates a counter argument to the Chinese saying that they can play the long game. Because I, I made this point yesterday, just in some of the chatter from some of the other wonks in Washington. Mm-hmm. Look, Hong Kong's not going anywhere either, President Xi. Uh, to your, well, who, when you were at the DNC, who was chairman? Uh, Debbie Washington Schultz. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm going to coming up. We're going to hear from uh, the the current chairman, yep. Tom Perez. We'll hear what he has to say about the 2020 presidential election. More tariff talk. More talk on the central bank. What President Trump had to say about Fed Chair Jay Powell. You don't want to miss it. Lauren Claffey, State Republican Strategist, Managing Director at Hamilton Place Strategies. Raul Avalar stays Dem Strategist, former National Political Director for the DNC. I'll stay too. It's Friday, folks. Beautiful, beautiful day. Download the Sound On podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also find us on Radio.com and iHeartRadio. I'm Kevin Cirilli. Thanks for listening to Bloomberg 99.1. You're listening to Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2 Baltimore. President Trump says he has no plans to fire special counsel to the president, Kellyanne Conway. This despite an official government office finding that she violated the Hatch Act. The Hatch Act, which, by the way, was enacted in 1939. It says that she can't be working inside of 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue and commenting on elections. Remember that Doug Jones and Roy Moore, ugh, Roy Moore race? Back down in Alabama, that special election, well, Kellyanne Conway went on Fox, talked about it, uh, and then, well, that apparently violated the Hatch Act. President Trump says, game on, she's going nowhere. Sarah Sanders is departing the administration, the White House press secretary. Stephanie Grisham. Stephanie Grisham is top of the short list, I'm told, to replace Sarah Sanders. Stephanie Grisham was one of the original staffers 
of the Trump campaign, the first iteration of it. She traveled extensively with the with the traveling press corps. I remember her just uh, being on the, the charter press plane with us, going everywhere we went. Stephanie Grisham, previously having a long history in Arizona of Republican politics. She was closely aligned with uh, Sean Spicer, the spokesman for the Republican Party. Uh, now she serves as communications director to First Lady Melania Trump, or Melania T, as President Trump referred to his wife in an interview earlier today with Fox News. Lauren Claffey is a Republican strategist now with Hamilton Place Strategies. Raul Alvilar is a Democratic strategist, former national political director for the DNC. We're going to hear from Tom Perez, the chairman of the DNC, coming up. Laura, Melania T. He, the president says, who needs another Jackie O? We have Melania T. Yeah, he was giving her a birthday present, right? Or, or a birthday wish, right? Wasn't it something? It's, it's, it's the president's birthday. The president's birthday, yes. He was showing how much he loves his wife. Okay. Melania T. Um, I just want to see you guys squirm. First of all, I'm like, there's no other Jackie O. There could never, ever be another Jackie O. But I mean, she doesn't uh, need the, like, the T last name. Like, everyone just no. knows her as Melania. Yeah, I leave it. How do you think Stephanie Grisham's done with the First Lady's office? I think she's done, you know, as a, a great job. Yeah, I think she's done a really great job, too. And, uh, you know, it's interesting because the way that the White House uh, functions, and I'm sure you know this, uh, the White House currently is the East Wing is very separate from the West yes. Wing, especially in the press uh operations. And so Stephanie, while she's been uh, in Trump world for a long time and a close confidant, uh, you know, she has been not involved in the day-to-day uh, White House, West Wing discussions around policy and those types of things. So it's interesting that, that, that she's we know a of. That we know of. That we know of. Because she has a, the thing about Steph is that she has a deep detail, I mean, and you know this, she has a deep detail background in policy. So if, for her to take this job, and she originally started right after the campaign ended. She then started with the uh, the Trump, Trump transition, and she was very, very closely aligned to Sean Spicer. Then worked in the West Wing press shop, and then got this promotion to be to be comms director for the first lady's office. And when I say she did a good job, I'm not opining from a political opinion standpoint, Raul. You know mm. that I don't pick a side. Right. What I mean is that she has run. A, a professional press operation. You would agree, right? I, I mean, I, I don't know her personally, or um, but uh, you know, I would say she's done a good job in keeping the first lady in outside of the limelight and outside of any controversy. Uh, I know that it's very different from when I worked at the White House. We, ha- you know, we had a. Uh, uh, first lady that was very active and was very out there and always wanted to to have an initiative or whatever it might be. So well, be best is her initiative. What's that? Be best is the first yeah. lady's initiative. <laughs> Other names on the short list are Tony Say. He uh, just left the Treasury Department. Top top messaging guru for Secretary Mnuchin. Tony has deep ties to Republican uh, New York Republican politics. Tony uh, was a pollster. The pollster. Mm-hmm. Tony Sag. Uh, and really was the messaging arm behind tax messaging. So Tony's up for it. Uh, Steph's up for it. I'm trying to think who else is on this short list. We've heard some other names. Oh, the Mooch. Did you hear this? Oh, yeah. Did you guys hear this? I yeah. didn't hear the Mooch. Laura, you didn't hear back. about this? Yeah. Anthony Scaramucci said in some interview today, and I'm you know, like, Mooch, call in. I, I, uh, <laughs> he says that if, if the president asked him to come back, that he would. 
Well, this is the thing about these uh, these jobs <laughs> that always come open in the administration. So many people float their own names. And so a lot of this wow. is just... Are you accusing to... I don't buy that. <laughs> and, you know, they, they float it because they know this is that... such inside baseball. I oh, it, it is. Right. They, know, they float it to the press to get their name out there because then there's a possibility of, of the administration going, oh, actually, that's a fabulous idea. We should call them and bring them in. You mean that we in, in town are a little bit dramatic sometimes, Laura? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> no. I don't know. That happens on the left. A that's not just a Republican. Yeah. There's one thing about Washington that knows how to self-promote. I'm not going to disagree. All right. Well, I mean, this job is really an important job, though, especially for this White House. Why so, Raul? Uh, because you're the voice of the president. You're you're out there help giving the American people what the president is about, what he's going to do, what he uh, is for. Um, and you're supposed to give the American people the truth and, and tell them uh, what exactly is happening with their government within the White House. But I think even more so, just with this particular climate, I mean, you know, Sarah Huckabee Sanders really took this role and had to, to, to fit it in this current climate uh, to President Trump. And I think what you saw with Sean and how it was a very different uh, operation under Sean Spicer versus comparing that mm-hmm. with someone like Sarah Sanders after, you know, she was there, you know, dating back to earlier iterations as well. Coming up, we're going to hear from Democratic National Committee Chairman Tom Perez, an exclusive interview I'll play for you what he has to say about the upcoming debate down in Miami, plus Fed speak, what President Trump has to say about Fed Chair Powell. I'm Kevin Cirilli. You can download the Sound On podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also find us, as well as my colleagues, on Bloomberg.com, the Radio.com, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Happy, beautiful, beautiful Friday. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. Hi, I'm Ron Krzyzewski, Chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial Advisors, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing, entrepreneurial, advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. Imagine having the resources of the largest wirehouses and the support of the boutique shops, but none of the bureaucracy to get in the way of you serving your clients. At Stiefel, it's your business, your book, your clients. I always tell the advisors we're recruiting, I want you to come to Stiefel and double or triple your business. Most of them laugh and shake their heads, but I'm serious. Don't take it from me. Take it from Stiefel's number one finish in J.D. Power's 2023 U.S. Financial Advisor Satisfaction Study. So there's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. You're listening to Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2 Baltimore. It is a beautiful day. I got to be honest, that is one of my all-time, that is my all-time favorite album, All That You Can't Leave Behind by U2. Beautiful Day, one of the iconic songs off of that incredible album. Uh, breaking news geopolitically, President Trump saying that Iran was responsible for attacks on oil tankers in the Persian Gulf this week, and he vowed that the key shipping lane will not be closed. President Trump saying in an phone interview with Fox News, according to my colleagues reporting on the terminal, that, quote, Iran did do it, and you know they did it. You saw the boat at night. This all comes as uh, the president's 
comments are following American officials' release of images that they say show Iran was involved in an attack on an oil tanker near the entrance to the Persian Gulf on Thursday, one of two incidents that have raised tensions between the U.S. and the Islamic Republic. Meanwhile, according to my colleagues reporting on the Bloomberg Terminal, senior Trump administration officials have said that the U.S. is considering, they are considering a number of responses to the attack. And this includes the possibility of providing naval escorts to commercial ships, uh, as well as a military response not yet being ruled out. Patrick Shanahan, he is the acting defense secretary. He spoke to reporters earlier today on Friday, and he said, quote, we obviously need to make contingency plans should the situation deteriorate. We are carefully following that. I want to bring you the latest political reaction as well. Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders of uh, Democratic presidential candidate, uh, he said that he was concerned that these attacks are going to be used by the administrations as ground to go to war with Iran. It's a crowded Democratic presidential field. We're just over a week away. Can you believe it? We're just over a week away or so from the first Democratic presidential debate. The f- Night one is June 26th. Night two is June 27th. 20 candidates. 20 candidates. June 26th and June 27th in Miami. That's a Wednesday and a Thursday. So about a week and a half away uh, from that. I I was able to catch up on Bloomberg Television today with chairman of the Democratic National Committee, Tom Perez. Here's our exchange. Well, we set forth those criteria early this year because we wanted to give them a, a number of months, ample time to meet the thresholds. We've done things that we've never done before. We had a grassroots fundraising threshold and a uh, polling threshold. And the reason we did that is we wanted to create alternative pathways and encourage engagement with our grassroots. 14 out of the 20 met actually both thresholds. Uh, And I'm excited about all of this because I've had the privilege, uh, Kevin, of working with just about all these candidates. uh, And they're wonderful people. And I think the American people are going to see a lot of different folks that they're going to really like because we're all going to be talking about issues, about preserving health care, expanding access to health care for everyone, uh, the issues that matter most to people. And I'm looking forward to that debate. Well, I'm looking forward to covering it. It's going to be incredibly, incredibly a wild ride, I think, from a political standpoint in Miami. But I got to Absolutely. ask you, Governor, Governor Steve Bullock, he mm-hmm. is the two term governor, Democratic governor of a red state, Montana. Uh, he's criticized the DNC. You know this. Uh, he said that there were rule changes at the last minute. He submitted new paperwork. He feels he should be mm-hmm. on that debate stage. And, uh, and there's two other folks as well, including Congressman Seth Moulton and the mayor, uh, Wayne Messam. Uh, but what do you say to Governor Bullock? Yeah. Well, we, we outlined the rules to Governor Bullock a long time ago about uh, polling and what you had to do. Uh, I have great respect for Governor Bullock. Back in March, on March the 12th, there was a poll that Governor Bullock uh, said that he thought counted. It was actually a survey. It was a survey that said, who do you think should be the Democratic nominee? It didn't have any names listed on it. It just invited people to write it in. The person who came in fourth in that survey was Donald Trump. 
Um, and you know, we concluded, and I think others have, uh, who've, who are in the polling world have backed us up, that that's not a, um, that, that's not a poll that uh, meets the scrutiny that we had been requiring. We informed him of that in March, and uh, I spoke personally with him a month or so later. I have great regard for Governor Bullock, and it won't surprise me at all if he's on the debate stage uh, next month, because he's going to keep campaigning, and he and uh, Congressman Mulch you know, these are wonderful people. We have an embarrassment of riches, and that's what the American people are going to see. We've got a deep bench, and everybody has that unity of values. We're fighting for the issues that matter most to people. Uh, access to affordable health care, lowering the cost of prescription drugs, making sure our economy works for everyone and not just a few at the top. So there's absolutely no way, no how, never going to happen that Governor Bullock gets on stage in Miami in, in just over a week. We created the rules months ago. We informed all of the candidates about the rules of engagement. Uh, we we set the field uh, limit at 20, Kevin, because 10 people <laughs> per night is a lot of people. Uh, we, we set the polling bar at 1%. It's, it's hard to get lower than setting the bar at 1%. And so we thought it was a reasonable uh, a polling threshold. We added the new fundraising threshold so that it engaged the grassroots and gave candidates an alternative pathway. And, and I think what we did was fair. I, I appreciate the fact that uh, some people didn't make it. And again, I have great respect for them. And, and I know they're going to continue to campaign hard. And it won't surprise me at all to see uh, Governor Bullock right. Uh, right. and uh, and or uh, Congressman Moulton on the debate stage next month. That was chairman of the Democratic National Committee, Tom Perez, speaking earlier today with me on Bloomberg Television. Head over to Bloomberg TV or on the Bloomberg Terminal or BloombergRadio.com to check out the full interview with Chairman Perez. We went on to talk about cybersecurity because I'm really interested in this dynamic. Remember, back in the 2016 presidential cycle, the DNC was hacked. They were hacked. And so there was all this chatter following the 2016 cycle about how to bolster cybersecurity at not just Democratic National Committee, but also with the RNC. Chairman Perez says cybersecurity from his vantage point is issue number one for him. And he goes on to elaborate on all the steps that the DNC has taken to better protect themselves from hacks from foreign governments. Coming up, panel reacts. Lauren Claffey, Republican strategist, managing director at Hamilton Place Strategies. Raul Avalar, he's still here, Democratic strategist, former national political director for the DNC. You can download the Sound On podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also find me on Radio.com, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. I'm Kevin Cirilli. Father's Day is Sunday. Make sure you call your dad. Make sure you get a gift in the card. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. This is Sound On with Kevin Cirilli. On Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2 Baltimore. Well, it's far too. Look, I love Mike. We're running again. But, you know, you're talking about a long time, so you can't put me in that position. <laughs> but I, I certainly would give it very strong right. consideration. He's a very, very outstanding uh, president. Right. Look, it's too early for 2024. President Trump, speaking on Fox News earlier today, did not endorse Vice President Mike Pence. For 2024, it's never too early to start talking about presidential elections. And that's why we're going to talk about 2020. With me in studio, 
Raul Avalar, Democratic strategist, former national political director for the DNC. Lauren Claffey, Republican strategist, managing director at Hamilton Place Strategies, but previously served at the Department of Homeland Security. All right, I mean, it's too early, I guess, to talk about 2024. It's not too early to talk about 2020. We just heard from uh, chairman of the DNC, Tom Perez. He, yeah, yeah, 20 people running for president, two nights, June 26th, June 27th, down in Miami. I'll be there. Are you going to be there, Raul? I haven't decided yet. Uh, what do you mean about- you haven't decided? Well, what? If you're a Democratic it's strategist, Miami. it's in Miami. I know. No, I know. What, um, like, but I why wouldn't you go? I might have to be in New York. For what? Work? Um, kind of. Who are you? Uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of show are we doing on Friday right. on Bloomberg Radio? Um, okay, well, I mean, what do you have to do? I mean, so I was looking at the lineup because I genuinely am a nerd and have no life, and this is what I do when I study these things. But they have on the first night... The June 26th. It's like two rounds of debates. It's like it's like the, it's like the NCAA draft. March mm-hmm. Madness, Democratic Madness. Right. You've got Cory Booker, Julian Castro, De Blasio, Delaney, Gabbard, Inslee, Klobuchar, O'Rourke, Tim Ryan, and Elizabeth Warren. That kind of like the non-Biden night. I feel like the expectations would be so much lower. And then Thursday night, you've got Biden. Bennett, Buttigieg, Gillibrand, Kamala Harris, John Hickenlooper, Bernie Sanders. So it'll be Sanders versus Biden, mm-hmm. Swalwell, um, spiritual here, he, spiritual healer Marianne Williamson. Mm-hmm. Who is? I don't even. I don't. Who is that, Raul? Uh, you stumped me. I don't really know. Okay, but she's a healer, I guess. But Steve Bullock couldn't get on the stage. Seriously. Yeah. A two-term governor from a red state, and entrepreneur Andrew Yang will be there as well. What mm-hmm. are you going to watch? What am I going to watch? Yeah. I'm going to watch both of them. Why don't you yeah. like Bravo? I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out. I mean, there's – I mean, the fact that you have to have five, uh, co- you know, f- moderators to moderate the thing. Uh, and then I'm gonna, it's going to be interesting to see how they handle it and are, are they going to listen to the time is up? Uh, are they going to just keep going on? And um, my question is and my concern is, is uh, are, are we going to actually say something? You know, um, or is it just going to wash out? Lauren? Yeah, you know, I think that the Democrats at least are getting the benefit of the Republicans having so many people on the debate stage in previous elections because this is really the first time that they've had to deal with this issue. But I don't know that the way that they chose who was going to be on the debate stage is actually better or worse than the Republicans did previously. Like not having the kiddie stage was kind of the the fear there. But I think, you know, there'll still be good debates. It'll still be two highly watched nights. And even the people didn't even make the debate stage have an opportunity for a media frenzy for two days. And sure. if they play it right, they could actually get more coverage than people on the stage yeah. i want to if you know who really wants to be there is president trump take a listen to what he had to say about biden and pocahontas here's uh and and here, here's president trump everybody knows joe is is doesn't have it now i see that pocahontas is doing better i would love to run against her frankly i see that Bernie Sanders is not doing well at all. I would have, frankly, liked to have run against. I think it's probably those three. I don't see the other ones. I really don't see it. He doesn't see it. I, I mean, I th- it's in his head, obviously. Um, I think well, obviously, the guy's <laughs> yeah. running for re-election. I mean, of course he's thinking well, about it, well, Raul. Well, Wouldn't yes, you? But, well, yeah, absolutely. But, I mean, the fact that he, you know, does, it, there are so many people that are running against him because uh, there's nothing that he has done. Um, for this country. He said he was going to lower uh, prescription drugs. He hasn't done that. He was going to, you know, uh, help 
you know, the, the middle class in, 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 in states that he yeah. did win, and he hasn't done that. So it's just, you but know. But does it make it harder, or does it help them? Or, like, take away the talking points for a second, respectfully. That's Friday. Uh, would, does it make it harder for Democrats to beat him in a general with 20 people running for president, or does it make it easier? No, I think it's it's more difficult. Um, really? I mean, wow. Yeah. Wow. Uh, I didn't expect you to say that. Why? Yeah. No, I mean, look, we're seeing what happened in 2016 with the Republicans. We're, mm-hmm. we're, and, and I'm on the record for saying this, that that one of my worst fears was that we're going to have way too many candidates. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, for those reasons, I mean, like, we, I, I'm, lo- I'm glad that we do, and we do have a good bench, and, and, it's, a, and, and it's, a, it's a good group of folks, but... Um, you know, there's something to be said, and I, maybe I'm from the old school of, of politics and training. You 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 weed, weed these guys down, and then you come up with just one or two, and that's your and that's that's your guy or gal, and you and you go for that, and you work for those uh, for those people uh, that are running. So so it's 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 going to be interesting, and um, it is it is something that I worry about. I, but I do believe the one thing that we do have is that we are talking about issues that Americans care about. All right. Well, you know what, but crowd size. Here's a. Pre- I mean, I, I, I. This Fox News interview was just. Oh, it gives you. It was like it was like the president was giving material for days. His critics and his supporters a gift on his birthday. Yeah. Here's the president talking about Biden and his crowd sizes. We're going to be announcing on Tuesday. We have a tremendous. We're announcing in Orlando on Tuesday, and we have a, over a hundred thousand people trying to get seats. One of the problems that I think Biden has, he can't get crowds. I mean, he nobody goes. He can't get a hundred right. people. Raul's laughing. <laughs> Did he just say a hundred people? Yeah. No. Well, I mean, then we like, but there was the momentum, uh, an actual issue, Lauren. I mean, like crowd size. I mean, I'll be honest. I covered virtually every Trump campaign rally in the last cycle. The crowd sizes were huge. Yeah, I mean, I think momentum is a big thing. Enthusiasm is really the thing, right? That you want to be monitoring. And I think, uh, to his point, I don't know about the crowd sizes, but I do know that there is an enthusiasm gap with Joe Biden among the Democratic primary right now. And, you know, he's polling high because it's so early. He's got great name ID and everybody has positive feelings because of his work in the Obama administration. But that's going to fade quickly, especially as some of these people start to drop out and people and the the numbers start to coalesce around someone else. Yeah. I mean, look, I I worked for the vice president um, and, uh, you know, he's extremely popular. Uh, People like him. Uh, There's a reason he's doing well in states like Iowa. Um, Nevada. Nevada. It's Nevada. Why? Why? <laughs> because that's how they say it in Nevada. Wow. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> oh, fine. Okay, go ahead. Um, and, and, and and I mean to I mean look, you can't believe anything this president, this Republican president says. I mean, I there, there was more than a hundred people, and there has been more than a hundred people at the vice president's rally. Um, mm-hmm. And and I don't understand what the fixation is. Yes, momentum is an important piece of it. Yes, but um, I mean, it, it's just to a point where it's like. You're, you're, you're childish about it. What was it like to work at the DNC when it got hacked? Um, well, it was, it, you know, we were doing our jobs every day. Um, everybody was working hard to make sure that we were going to have a, a good election. Um, and it, it was, it, I actually left on the day that we actually announced that we were hacked. Wow. Um, so I left on that day, and uh, it was hard because um, when you get hate mail at your home uh, because the, you're personal address was WikiLeaked. Um, you know, it's not fun. Um, so, so it was, it was personal for me. And, uh, but you know, again, we were just doing our jobs and we were, we were, we were trying to make sure that we had surreal, good surreal yeah. to see how it all played out right? even as, as time, uh, yeah. 
as time went on. My thanks to Lauren Claffey. What'd you think? It was your first time on the show. Yeah, Lauren. it was great. Would I you loved come it. back? How did you? How did I? I do? would definitely come back. Right, You're Lauren, an amazing host. You know, I appreciate that, Lauren Claffey, <laughs> Republican strategist, managing director at Hamilton Place Strategies. Tell Kevin Madden I said hi. She's also the former deputy assistant secretary for public affairs at the Department of Homeland Security. Raul Avalar, Democratic strategist, taught me how to say Nevada, and former national political director for the DNC. I'm Kevin Cirilli. Have a great weekend. Happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com enterprise data to learn more.